It's back, one o'clock hour. Nick is into this song, too. Man. He's all about it right now. It hits. It is, two days in a row. It does hit, though. Two days in a row. Maybe this will just be the new one o'clock anthem. Okay. I mean, if it's just one o'clock, we can we can do it. It's just the one o'clock hour. Yeah, the Jim Rome show played like four bump music for mm. like 20 years. Yeah. For one o'clock hour, if you want this to be the one o'clock hour, that's fine. I think that's fine. It just can't be every every break. Well, you know, we'll talk about that. <laughs> we can have a conversation. Oh, man. Coming up in about 35 minutes, you'll hear our conversation with the general manager of the Kansas City Royals, J.J. Piccolo, who you're, I don't know if it's his favorite song. Maybe we, next time we have him on, we'll have to ask if he likes if his If it's his favorite, what are the chances that Could that's you imagine? his? Could oh, J.J., right now on the spot, what's your favorite song? He said Brandy. Like, what? what? No way. I feel like, uh, what? Man, oh, that would make my day. That would have been a moment. Gosh. So anyway, you'll hear our conversation with J.J. coming up in a little bit. Uh, thinking of the Royals, though, we saw Michael Garcia yesterday for RBI Day for the Royals, and Hunter Dozier and him have been playing third base. Hunter Dozier, of course, it's been multiple years since he really had the type of impact that got him the contract that the Royals were willing to give him. It still is, in the grand scheme of things, baseball-wise, a small amount of money remaining, two years plus a third year or plus a club option in, in three years uh, that the Royals have on him. I I would like to still see the younger players get the opportunity going forward. The only ninety nine percent of the way time I'm I, with you. Yeah, and clearly they weren't able to find a trade partner for Donner Dozier this offseason. Otherwise, I think he would be gone. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but I really think he would be. And so now, are they in a position where they feel like they're stuck? Where it's like, hey, we got this guy. We're going to pay him seven million dollars this year. We need him almost to play the first month or so and look good so then he becomes a trade part, uh, a guy that somebody can trade for. Because if he's not the starting third baseman, well, then then you're done. I mean, you're, you're done at that point in time. Do you think that is what is going on here? Because I, I think might as well see what Garcia can do more and more throughout spring, yes, but also right out of the beginning of the season. I think that's optimistic. I fully expect, I understand on the baseball side of things and how they're going to probably do it. I'm probably going to guess Garcia is going to be in AAA. Although JJ told us today that they're going to give him a little bit of outfield work just to see what happens. Yeah, because they're looking for any kind of depth there. And maybe if they thought they could steal some innings there, maybe they would not go target another outfielder. I'm sure, you know, Rusty Coons would put in some work there. Let me make it very, like $7.5 million is absolutely nothing. That is nothing. They don't owe him much. That's even less than what they owed Omar Infante when they cut him. <laughs> like, it's not that much money. Now, I understand that they would also be on the hook for $9 million next year, so they would much rather find a trade partner, even if that trade partner took on 20% of this salary, because if they took on 20% of the salary, they'd still save $3, 4000000 million, which for the Royals might mean an extra reliever or whatever else down the road. To me, it's not just about the money savings, and I understand that he's going to be 31 this year, so that's going to... You know, like he's becoming an older player and it's been four years since he showed anything. It's only been the big years for six years and there was some promise there. He's a limited defender. All of those things, I get it. But it's just, to me, there is, you've seen enough and you've put enough into this. You give the guy 40 games. I don't see any reason not to find out because there is no rush on Michael Garcia because this team has limitations for how far they are capable of going this year. They are, and it's not like, He's standing in the way of all these young guys. They're playing like seven super young players. 
in the field. They're playing a ton of young pitchers. There'll be a lot of young guys in the bullpen. They're not like this team that's stuck in the world where it's like, you should be playing more young players and finding out what you have. They're doing that nearly across the diamond. On this one spot, I'm willing to find out if there's value for Hunter Dozier because I think if he played well enough, somebody would come find a right-handed at bat who played a couple of different infield and outfield positions. Is it strictly trade value for you, or do you still think that he actually, knowing that they have have three more years of control, that he actually is part of the future? Because I I don't know how you can tell me he's part of the future. If you want to sell me that, hey, he's going to play for a month and a half of the season, and he's going to hopefully start off great in April and May, and that boosts his value, and then meanwhile Garcia's in AAA performing well, that's best case scenario, I guess, right? And then at that point in time that they yeah, can move I him mean, out. In what world is Dozier like a long-term answer for this team? That's what I'm saying. That's why I'm, That's like, why it's tough for me no. not to just go ahead and go with the guard. The only path you can sell me is that you need to boost Dozier's trade value. Because then he you'd be giving a him a contract start. extension when he's 32 years right. old. No chance. So what happens if Dozier, though, for a month is what he's been the last two years? Then, then, move. then what? Then you just have to eat the $16 million. <sighs> it sucks, yeah. man. But yeah. what, do you, what do you want me to say? Like, yeah. that's, that's very simply it. It's... It, they I know 16 mil. Well, I don't think they'd like it. I don't think the ownership <laughs> would like it. Now, in fairness, if you're JJ Piccolo, that doesn't have to be on you. No, you didn't, you didn't get that extension. I understand that you were a part of the organization, but that's not your contract. You were not the GM of record when Hunter Dozier got extended. You, you're not, you're not on the hook for that. So to me, you should operate like those aren't your mistakes. I understand it's a very weird circumstance because he was on the team, he was probably part of those, assuming, I, not probably, he was a part of the conversations that involved those things, so it's difficult. And Omar Infante was performing even a little bit worse than what, you know, Hunter Dozier is at this point. He doesn't look like a valuable MLB player, but we're not, Omar Infante had been years and years removed from it. He was also four years older than Hunter Dozier is right now at the same time. So there's more hope, right, just based on age or all those things we're talking about before, that he could you know, maybe there's still some hope of turning around. I feel like this is just one of those few times that I would give the guy a little bit of time. We've talked about this. I would have traded Michael A. Taylor at the deadline last year, although I think people in the organization Which, would tell you they got more return now this offseason. They did, but now it's funny. And now fun, it looks now like they could have used some depth. Yeah, it's not funny, but it's now it's un- unfortunate that they traded Michael A. Taylor because now they're going to have to maybe go acquire somebody, as J.J. told us. Uh, because they're really, really thin at center field. But they could just go acquire jerks and po- pro far to be in the outfield, right? He had $14 million left on his deal when they cut him. It's about the same amount they would owe uh, Hunter Dozier if he played two months into the season. So it's not it's not unprecedented for them. But I don't you know, the same as Omar Infante, it's not the worst thing ever to find out if you still have value there, especially because well, he's only 30 I, I think... and he's a right-handed bat who plays multiple positions. There is there's There's something worth finding out for a guy who's hit 26 homers in the league. I'll, I'll test the waters for 40. Yeah, again, games. I think what you're saying is what the Rose are going to choose. Like, I, I don't, I, I think that's the path that JJ, I think Michael Garcia is making it hard for him. Royals organization is going to choose. I think they're making it hard by the notion that he's going to get a little test uh, in the outfield. Like, I, th- I think that that is a sign that he's making it difficult that they're going to say, you know, we, we, we've been impressed enough. Can we find, is there, is there a path here where he can actually, we can get him on the field enough times to get called up. Now that's where the outfield thing becomes interesting, by the way. And you'll hear JJ here in just a few minutes, as we had that conversation a little bit earlier today with JJ Piccolo, the world general manager. But like the interesting part is because this is the thing that they like to do with everybody likes to do, which is if you're going to call up like hundred and this is the other appeal of hundred Dozier is he doesn't have to play every day. If hundred Dozier plays 65% of the games, fine. So what he's a veteran, you're paying him. You already know what he is. Now, if you call up Michael Garcia, his ass needs to be in the lineup every right. single night. No messing around there, right? 
And is he the shortstop or is Bobby Wood Jr. the shortstop? In Bobby Wood, like, you can make an argument that either should be a short or either should be at third base. Or you're going to move Garcia around. He's going to play short some days to get Bobby a half day off. And he's going to play third the other days. And he's going to play left field so that Kyle Isbell can be in center. They got to have a plan. If they're calling up Michael Garcia and they're short and off uh, outfield, they got to find a way to make sure he's in the lineup five out of seven days or six out of seven days, because then otherwise you're not really finding out what you have. And instead you're kind of slow rolling a guy. My only other fear too, is I don't know what, you know, and their minor league system development changes have, have been different since then. But for a while they were in a real problem with the pitching development where they were fine in the minors, calling them up a little too early and not having success in the majors. So can we avoid that trap as well with Garcia? Again, we'll hear from JJ Piccolo coming up at one thirty. but uh, I wanted to transition over to what could happen this offseason. Maybe not near the top of the, the first five or six things you're thinking of for the Chiefs by any means, but it has to do with what the situation at quarterback is going to be to back up Patrick Mahomes. You don't think it's just going to be Shane Bouchelle, huh? I know they like him because they protected him from going elsewhere multiple seasons now. The Cardinals claimed him at one point. I think the same thing as Dozier, though, trying right. to you know, find out what you got. Um, so I think they do like him, yes. But I, I want a veteran. I want a guy with experience. We've seen two po- playoff runs where Patrick Mahomes has been unavailable for series or a quarter. I want someone that has started games in the NFL. And Shane Bouchelle hasn't. He's been in the league for three years. I bring this up because I noticed we get these emails from offshore books all the time. And there was odds from Bet Online that Carson Wentz was a favorite to land in Kansas City. Carson Wentz will not be a starter anywhere in the league next year. He's going to have to accept a backup gig if he wants to still There's be in the league. There's a lot of quarterbacks who fall under that category. Yes. Like, I still think Jimmy G can get a starting job, but he's, like, yeah. right uh, on the cusp of also having to accept a backup I would role. be very interested in the Carson Wentz type, the Baker Mayfield. Uh, Sam Darnold? The, the Sam Darnold. Mitchell Marcus Trubis- Mariota? Mitchell Trubisky. Marcus Mariota. Somebody that has started multiple mm-hmm. games in their NFL career that can be a backup and is willing to accept that role as well. And Andy Dalton, does that fall on that list? Nah, nah, <laughs> Did he retire? I'm, I'm good. I'm good there. But, I told you Taylor um, Heineke would interest me. Eh, Why? Yeah. He's a ba- veteran yeah. backup. He started games. Yeah, he's played better than Sam Darnold has at any point in his yeah, NFL career. I just, either way, I need guys with experience, and so I'm not even dead set like that. It has to be Carson Wentz. I just thought it was interesting. The Chiefs are the favorite to land him, according to offshore books. If I'm Carson Wentz, I, I would see if Arizona was interested in me. I could, I might actually have a chance to start for some of the season before Kyler Murray's back. But if I'm, if you're the Cardinals, you might be thinking, you know what? We'll just go ahead and take our lumps for much of last next season. We'll get a high draft pick. We'll be ready to roll in 2024. Like if Wentz is smart, he will find a good organization that will make him look good. Well, that because you got a chance to play chiefs. Yep. Cause you got a chance to play a bunch of preseason games where you can light up the scoreboard for a little bit with the new guy, Andy Reed and wait for somebody else to come knocking when their major quarterback gets injured in the middle of the season and convince themselves that Carson Wentz is the truth, that he's the answer. Carson Wentz, unlike the conversation we were just having with these other guys, you realize that he's only a year removed from a season in which he had 27 passing touchdowns, seven picks, and 3,600 yards. That's pretty much an average NFL quarterback. His biggest problem, to me, is not statistically, where for the most part, he has been a viable NFL quarterback. Not a great one, but a viable one, right? My biggest issue is that every single place he's been says he sucks as in, as a teammate. They don't like having him around. Well, he's not a likable he gets person. Himself, he's not a likable person. <laughs> he gets himself kicked out of town awfully quick. If I'm a Super Bowl winning, Super Bowl contending team like the Chiefs, I don't think I really want to invite the the, the guy who's causing locker room problems every single yeah, place I'm not, he goes. I'm just not worried about that with the Chiefs setup. Like, they'll he's, just tell him You think Carson Wentz's ass is going to shift the locker room when I got Patrick Mahomes, Chris Jones, Travis Kelsey, Andy Reid involved? 
Yeah, that's not happening. I understand, but like, why even risk it? There are other quarterbacks available. Like, I understand your fear that is we're getting into an AFC uh, divisional round game and somebody has to make a drive from, oh, I don't know, hypothetically the two. Uh-huh, yeah, 98 yards. And they're going to need to yeah. go 98 yards. And you're like, you know what? I don't know if Shane Bouchelle is the guy for that. So what if like, instead uh, it's we're, we're, somewhat like Baker, right? Again, a guy talking, who's played NFL games. We're talking about as a backup. Like someone on the text line just said, Carson Wentz may get you to the playoffs and lose in the first round if you're happy with that. He's a he backup sucks. quarterback. He's a backup. I don't, I'm talking about Kansas worried, City. I'm not needing him to take the Chiefs to the playoffs in the Super Bowl. Also, is, if Patrick Holmes gets hurt, I'm, I'm, you know, if they take him to the playoffs and they get a first round exit, not bad. Pretty good effort. I need it to where if it's week 13 and Mahomes has an ankle injury and really can't go that I have a veteran that has started games that might be able to win you a football game, whether it's Wentz or any other veteran that's started in the league. I, my preference, actually, at the top of the list is Jameis Winston. I've said that a couple times. Um, but I thought it, Carson Wentz getting cut is a name to watch as well. I mean, I'd be fine with – I mean, are you sure you don't want to just go, Bouchelle? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of Why sure. not? I, no Chiefs like him. Why not? No so experience, what? man. Jim Sorge never had experience. It seemed like it went fine. I've seen Mahomes in two playoff runs need somebody to can step you, in. Can you run that last comment back, Cody? Jim Sorge never had any experience. It seemed like it went fine. It seemed like it went fine. He just never played. Uh-huh. So I, I, cannot, I, I cannot believe that you just used Jim Sorge <laughs> as a reference point for why the Chiefs would be fine moving forward Jim with Sorge Shane Bouchard. Jim Sorge threw 156 passes in his NFL career. Over can under can, we get, that, can we get that touchdown to interception split? Yeah, I can. Six touchdowns, one pick. What a what a guy! Wow. Are you sure now? Yeah, How about he now? Played in sixteen games in his NFL career Ooh, from it's kind of a low touchdown rate. Sixteen games, two thousand four to two thousand nine. But oh, for one hundred and fifty passes, it's not bad. Yeah, it is. <laughs> you know, it's also bad by that, <laughs> by that metric. What's funny is, come on! I'm not like, surprised you're saying because last year you did want you didn't want Penny on the roster. You wanted Bouchelle. That seems like it'd be a fine. I mean, look, I, I'll I'll explore the veteran thing. I don't have a real okay. problem with it. They go with it. I don't want it to be Carson Wentz. I would take pretty much any. I take the ghost seeing quarterback probably over him at this rate because none of the rest of the Sam guys Donald. we've mentioned have some like reputation of being like a bad teammate. Like say we want about Baker Mayfield. He seems like kind of a douche. But his teammates like him, so it's like that oh, feels – that feels Yeah, no problem with that. Yeah, of course. All those guys, like the, I feel like Chiefs fans hear those names and they're like, oh, no. You're like, it's a backup quarterback. They're never going to see the field unless it's a desperate situation. And the same thing we said about Andy Reid before. Don't you think that if Carson Wentz had to start the entire year for Andy Reid? Yes. He's going to get more out of Carson Wentz than anyone of ever course, has? Of course. And if the best Carson Wentz has ever been is a borderline MVP candidate, I think he could do worse. They could do worse in a backup. Well, the Chiefs would win situation. ten games with Carson Wentz. Like Marcus Mariota, hey, the worst you, he ever was. Do you won? disagree? Uh, no, they'd win ten. <laughs> Anybody, so, Nick? You want to take the opposite side? Yeah. <laughs> you think they'd win what under Andy Reid? Eight. No way. Yep. No chance. Andy Reid's still human, man. He's mortal. Nah. Okay, who's the worst quarterback Andy Reid could win ten games with? That's available right now, or no, be? no, 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 no. Just this, just, this is just an exercise. Jimmy G. Oh. Andy Reid hasn't won eight games <laughs> since 2012. What's that? I said Jimmy G. That was the worst quarterback he could. Just any, you get the whole crop of quarterbacks across the league. Who's the worst one Andy Reid could have as a starting quarterback for an entire season and win ten games? I'm trying to think here, man. Uh, 
Daniel Jones just pretty much won ten games, so I can't. Yeah, what about what about Taylor Heineke? What about Gar- they won eight ga- Ron Rivera won eight games with yeah. Taylor Heineke. So okay. yes. What about Gardner Minshew? What about Cooper Rush? No, he can't win ten with Cooper Rush. I draw the line there. He can't win ten with I mean, Cooper, Cooper Rush. Won four. Andy Dalton went in ten Andy games. Dallas. No, not Andy Dalton. He's too limited. He stinks. No way. You got to draw a line somewhere. Gold yeah. is really yeah. thinking. I don't think you can say a name that Gold won't consider. I don't think you can list off Shane Bouchelle. How about him? Could he win 10 games with him? No. Okay. How many games could he win with Shane Bouchelle? Full 17-game schedule. Seven or eight. Seven or eight? That's such a ridiculous number <laughs> That's for Shane Bouchelle. That's for the playoffs. That's like... And that's why I don't want him playing in the playoffs. It's like late December and Shane Bouchelle's team's still not counted out. I just told you, like, Jameis Winston would win 10 with Andy. Marcus Mariota in Kansas City would win 10. Sam Darnold might win 9 or 10. Mike White. Oh, if Sam Darnold can win nine or ten, Mike White nine or ten. <laughs> it's just there's no player back head coach with this with this system still with Travis. Kel- Travis. I Kelsey. mean, he did. How many games did he win with Kevin Cobb? You know, it felt like he won quite a few. Again, Andy Reid, on average, wins like eleven or twelve games a year. Russell Wilson. Ten. Ooh, ten. Wow. Ten. What? Ten. You said 10 for Russell Wilson. He looked terrible. He was the worst quarterback in the league last year. <laughs> so bad. Oh, my God. 10? I don't, I don't know if I'm willing to go that far. In 2012, Andy Reid only won four games with Philly. Hey, uh, the text line brings up a good point. And that since, was good. Hey, since I'm in such good shape, how many, how, many quarter, how many wins could they have with me at quarterback? Uh, one. You're still giving him a dub? I'll give him one. Wait, who, who, who does it win against? Is it like a, against a bad team, or is it like a shock the world game where they're like trap game? Well, sure, so you're not throwing for 300 yards, so it's, it's going to be <laughs> you're a not game. not throwing for 30 yards. It's, they're going to have to run the it's, it's in a, a season. Where, you don't think I can throw for 300 in an entire where, season? No, it's a game where the Chiefs had a punt return. Shovel and passes. A, where they had a punt, Dude, a punt everyone return. Everyone is going to be inside of like four yards uh, uh, of the line no, of scrimmage. They won't pass once. It'll be the Kendall Hinton game, but even worse. No, well, they'll give me a few. They'll give me a few shovel passes, screen plays. Did Kendall Hinton even throw? It was like yeah, one for twelve or something in that game. Bad. And that's a, that's still as a professional athlete. Yeah. Well, oh. you know what? Yeah, the text line brings up a great <laughs> point. You guys are basically saying that Patrick Mahomes is a system quarterback. No, Mahomes doesn't win ten games. He wins fourteen games and goes and wins Super Bowls. It's a difference, right? But he's a product of the system. Oh, so are you saying you agree with Jason Brown? You think he's gimmicky? <laughs> gimmick. You think, you think he's a gimmick? Huh? Is that what you're saying? Huh? That's you're not what a fanboy. No, I'm not a fanboy. I'm the opposite of a fanboy. Kendall Hinton went one for nine for 13 yards and two picks. You're definitely doing worse than that. <laughs> <laughs> you're definitely doing worse than that. I don't know. That. If he had all offseason to game plan for me as the quarterback, he would. Andy would have a few tricks up his How sleeve. far can you throw a football? <laughs> not very far because I, I don't have big hands. What kind of velocity are you getting on that thing? Not much. <laughs> it's like if not much. Like, hey, not much zip on the ball, and those are not tight spirals. If if you had to run an option play, do you no. think you could pitch it successfully? No. no. Oh yeah, dude. No. Could you oh, do are that? you kidding me, dude? He wouldn't even make it to the no, no. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Gold's wrong. I mean, look. Here's the other problem: is like destroyed. No, no, no. Here's the problem. No, no. I got good timing. Even that play doesn't work because who's buying? He's not pitching it to the other guy. Here's the thing: who's buying that he's going? Here's the the thing: you guys are overlooking. Nick wouldn't get the pitch off. He would keep the ball, and he would get destroyed, and he'd be out for the rest of the game. Here's here's the thing: you guys never making it through a season. You're not you're not taking this into account. First off, I have incredible footwork. Um, I know how to survey the field. I go through my reads. Mm, Wow. Yeah. I have good processing skills. It's just mostly an arm strength 
and hand size issue. Nick thinks because he, he read the Odyssey physical requirements for internship that those are the same things that apply those are the same those are the same things that apply for starting quarterback in yeah. the nfl can you read can you uh, refresh us on those yeah it, uh, while performing the duty uh required to stand walk sit use hands to finger handle or feel objects <laughs> I hate the way you say it. <laughs> same requirements to be a quarterback we oh, it not- also does say specific vision abilities are required by the job Including quarterback close, vision. close vision, distance vision, color vision, peripheral vision, depth perception, the color the ability vision to here. adjust focus. So, Nick, you, you fit those requirements for our job here. So, clearly, yeah. that's what you need as a quarterback. Exactly. Does fit a lot. Of those do A lot of those things do feel important for quarterback play as well. Mm-hmm. Now, you know what? I'm a, I might go out for the Chiefs just to <laughs> prove you guys wrong. As if you could just show up. Try the XFL first, man. Try that first, and that, we'll see how it do goes. Do they not do open tryouts in the NFL? That first hit would kill you. You got to get invited. They wouldn't. They wouldn't even. They wouldn't even be able to hit me, Cody. Too too evasive. I tried to convince the Chiefs once to let us show up and do that, like go through attacking drill with like Justin Houston. And the exact comment I got from the organization was like, "Look, man, I know that sounds fun, but we can't do that." I was like, "But why?" He's like, "You might die." Yeah. And they, were, they were joking. They're like. Yeah, he might kill you. Would. You. you would. He yes. might kill you, yes. and we can't let them kill mm-hmm. you. That would be you just bad. turn into a cloud of dust. <laughs> I would. Gone. Yeah, I would disintegrate. Just cease uh-huh. to exist. Like it never happened. I'd get hit so hard, people's memories of me would be erased. You'd forget that I even existed. Yeah, you'd be like a semi. You'd be like a semi going ninety down the highway, <laughs> hitting a squirrel. Yes, it just it's gone. Very bad. Vaporized for everyone involved. I just don't want that kind of trouble in my life. Could be worse. It could be the Tennessee Titans GM who doesn't want to go with Nick at quarterback, but also is not willing to admit the single fundamental thing of the NFL, which is you have to pass. Did you see the comments from the new Titans general manager? I did. Relation and to, I would be terrified if I was a Titans fan. I, it's the worst possible news you could see out of, the, out of their, their GM because he is saying you don't have to throw to win in the NFL which is an obviously ludicrous His point was assertion. that as the season gets later on, as the season moves on, he's, he's basically said that you got to be able to run the football is what he was trying to say. But Why? Um, the Chiefs didn't start running no, it more. They, they, they Maybe in just the Super Bowl. That's one game. That's not the rest of the season. Mahomes led the league in passing. <laughs> what a bold time to take that stance. You know what? As the season goes on, you do have to run the ball more. You're like, no, you don't. You should actually throw more all the time under every circumstance. But they also don't want to commit. You can hear him. He doesn't want to commit to Ryan Tannehill. What do they do, man? They're screwed. They don't have a quarterback they want to commit to long term. Malik Willis looks terrible. Derrick Henry eventually will fall apart, right? Even though he's a giant. There's rumors that Derrick Henry could be heading to Buffalo. There's some rumblings around that one. They let, desperately. Let, let why is Buffalo let so desperate bills. to think that their problems are going to be solved by an elite running back? Let them go ahead and get Derrick. Because I've seen fun. them have Bijan Robinson mocked to them several times too. Well, that's not them saying that their problems are going to be solved. That's other people saying it. Yeah, but they were in the market for running backs for a while. There were conversations that they like they did try to take but a to high fair, level running back never, similar to the Chiefs. But to did. be fair, they never did it. No, they took Singletary though. They and took Cook. A, and Cook, they've taken high round running back, so they have approached running back like it matters to them. Well, because they've sucked in their running game not named Josh Allen. That has been a weakness of their team. They can't do anything with an actual running back. Yeah, but drafting them higher or trading for Derrick Henry isn't the solution. It's just keep taking sixth rounders until you find one who's good. 
Have we all just accepted that now? That no, is the solution. No, dude, running no I'm not going to accept that because I've seen Bajan Robinson play football and that guy is going to be a superstar. So I don't care. You know, it's sometimes it's wait, okay. Are you, are you telling me right pick, now though. you'd be fine with the Chiefs spending another first round pick on running back if it was Bijan Robinson? Yes. No. Yes. No, no. Yes. No, no. I don't this. care. I, guys, here's the thing. Just did this. Every once in a while, mm. it's okay to just not care and to just do the, the thing that would be cool and There's fun. There's no. You, <laughs> You're like, that would be cool and fun? It, it would be cool and fun. I don't care about the just, analytics. Nick, I don't we care. Just saw, it's not analytics. We just saw the Chiefs draft a seventh rounder, Isaiah Pacheco. We saw Jarek McKinnon come off the street during the Super Bowl run in 2020. We saw Damian Williams. Like, what? why are we spending first round picks on running backs? I'll repeat, Gold. I don't care. Well, the, the, the Chiefs because fortunately do in their decision. John Robinson is a monster, and I think that would be cool to have him on my favorite team. Is that a crime? Am I so being? Brett, why am I being persecuted for know, this? It'd be cool. It'd be cool to also have Justin Jefferson. But you know what? It, you can't give up all your draft assets and pay him to make it happen. Okay, well, it'd be wait, really cool. Wait a it'd minute. Be really cool. What would you actually backup, have to give up to get it, Justin Jefferson? It'd be cool for our backup quarterback to also just be Josh Allen too. Well, that's overkill. Really, really, what really would cool. you have to give up to get Justin Jefferson? Let's explore that a little bit. <laughs> Four first round picks. And, and maybe one of your better young defensive players. And you players. have to give him the contract to make him the highest-paid wide receiver football. That I'm okay that, with. That part, no problem. But yeah, both, no problem. In the highest-paid wide receiver in part. Four firsts? How about two? Three first and a couple seconds. Will you meet me in the middle of two? If it's two and Trip McDuffie, what are you doing? <laughs> Done. <laughs> Done. You're telling me I get, Justin Jefferson's, what, 23 years old, 24 years old? Mm-hmm. Sign, him, sign me up for four years of that? No, I don't even think twice about it. That would be the most fun thing you could do. If you're talking about like BJ, that's the most fun thing you could do is mm. put Patrick Mahomes with Justin Jefferson and just see what happens with nothing I else mean, present. I, just I, I well, let's just Mahomes. see what happens. I mean, I saw you guys are acting like it's like this completely unheard of thing. And He's I, a completely I think, different I think just, type of receiver. I think Justin Jefferson's but. incredible. Thank you for winning Offensive Player of the Year. I appreciate that, Justin. Um, but. You guys are acting like we didn't see Patrick Mahomes ever with an elite wide receiver that was a top three. And, I, Justin and, Jefferson. And how much fun was that to watch? Well, it was the same as both. Uh, they won a Super Bowl with him, and they won one without him. So I think it's okay either way. Yeah, but I'm I'm okay with going back to that though as well. Is what I'm saying. It yeah. was fun. It was definitely fun. But uh, I want cool defense, players on the team. He does cool, cool things. Players. He makes crazy catches. That's I think co- Justin that's awesome. Jefferson's incredible. Yes. But we're acting as if we have never seen Mahomes with the top five wide receiver before. No, he's I, trying I, I to increase it. their swag index. Yeah, uh, he'd mm, like to increase mm. the Chiefs' swag index to a higher level. Who do you think has the most swag on the Chiefs, Nick? What's your scale? Oh, the swag factor. Yeah, swag uh, factor. It's mm-hmm. uh, probably Tommy Townsend. <laughs> he's. You might get a multi-year deal. Well, do, oh, dude, I, did you guys actually see how mm. Jody showed up to the Super Bowl in all white, all white suit? Like he was from like oh. boys to men. I don't know. He was like an all-white tuxedo. Jody Fortson's got the same agent as Chris Jones he, now. He's pretty swaggy. He's, Jody Fortson's pretty swaggy. Jody Fortson's got a new agent. Same made the Katz brothers. Kelsey's got a lot of swag. Kelsey, yeah. uh, nobody, Saturday Nobody out swags Jody. Yeah, I mean, Kelsey's on Saturday Night Live Saturday night, and today I saw there's some teaser thing that came out uh, with him in, like, Indiana Jones or something. Looks very good. Mm-hmm. He's going to be very good at this. I think he'll be terrific. All right, coming up next, we'll get to watch trending, and then you'll hear our conversation with J.J. Piccolo. He told us there's a move that they're likely to make in the next couple of days. All right, it's Cody and Gold hanging out here on a Wednesday. Alex Gold, Cody Tapp, Nick Schwert with you. 
Earlier today, we had the general manager in the executive vice president of baseball ops, J.J. Piccolo, join us from Arizona. You'll hear his answer when we asked about the depth at, at center field and whether or not they feel confident there. He did mention that there's a move that they likely could make in the next couple of days. That's part of our conversation. But we did ask him about the Super Bowl, and we started off with food because we were talking about the Big 12. They're, they're being a little more innovative in some of the food offerings, and so I asked him if he's much of a foodie and if he's a picky eater or not. Yeah, I, I'd pretty much eat anything. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not too picky. So whatever it is, I'm going to eat it. Yeah, so look, I'm not picky at all. Uh, yeah, I, I, so they, they give me a hard time on the show because I'm probably one of the, the pickiest eaters out there when it comes to the uh, the, the condiments that are going to be on hot dogs and things will, like that. Will you at least convince him to try sushi once, JJ? Uh, uh, I mean, he should just—he hasn't well, even tried. He's decided he doesn't like it. He hasn't even tried. You know what? That that is a food that it took me a long time to warm up to, but now that I've tried it, I enjoy it. And whenever guys are going to eat sushi, I'm in. So. Yeah, you may you may enjoy it. You surprise yourself. <laughs> yeah, I, we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I, I wanted to, before we even get into baseball, to talk to you a little bit about the, the Super Bowl. I know it's been a couple of weeks, but the last time you were on the show, uh, you were with us on Radio Row, and obviously you were fired up for the Eagles and the Chiefs. You, you got to go to the game, right? That, what was your experience like at the Super Bowl? You know, it, it was awesome. You know, it was nothing like what I had imagined. I just thought it would be very corporate and not, not a real feeling of a, a home game in Arrowhead or a home game in Philadelphia, but it was the best of both worlds. I thought it was awesome. I mean, really from, I think I went into the stadium around, I don't know, 3.30-ish and just the energy was in the stadium and the crowd noise. I mean, every, every place somebody's cheering, right? So it was pretty cool. It was a lot better than I anticipated. What's so up? I'm glad I got a chance to do it. What's the relationship like? Do you send Brett Feach a congratulations <laughs> text pretty quick? Yeah, you know what? I, I haven't, but uh, I'm sure he's gotten a, a bunch of them. <laughs> but, um, you know, I have spoken to a couple people that I'm friends with, with with the Chiefs. And, of course, everybody in the building here are Chiefs fans. So, congratulating everybody. Really good thing for the city. And what an unbelievable game. I mean, a game everybody's going to remember for a long time. You, of course, uh, as being part of the organization with the Royals, when, when, when the Royals won a championship in 2015, you, you know, as you said, what it means for the city and what it can do. Does that, you know, even seeing the Chiefs win two rings in the last four years, does that just add to the motivation that I'm sure already is there? But just, does that add to it, knowing what this city is like when you have championship runs? Yeah, I, I think the, the best thing is, is for our players to see that, you know, to, just to see how, it, you know, the winning energizes the city and, you know, just a picture of themselves, you know, winning a championship and seeing how the Chiefs are treated and how much they're really endeared by the fan base. I think it, you know, strengthens that hunger. You know, this this can be us and will be us. So I think it's a great thing for everybody to see. Speaking of Royals general manager, J.J. Piccolo here on Cody and Gold, I think rightfully so, J.J., one of the biggest conversations has been, what's the new pitching staff going to do with all these young arms you guys have called up over the last couple of years and will there be a tangible difference in the results as it relates to that? I feel like in hearing every pitcher talk, there's been a, a big discussion about it. Feels like they maybe less in their own head is the best way to describe it. Or, or, or do you just feel like there's less pressure on these guys? How do you think the young pitching staff is handling um, or the young pitching staff is handling the new coaching? Well, the, the feedback has been great. Just talking to the, the players individually. And, and for me, more importantly, talking to the coaches, you know, just asking them, you know, what's the interactions like? Are the players open to any suggestions? And, you know, the answer has been yes. And I think what we've got is, you know, three guys at the major league level with Brian, Zach, and Mitch 
that are all connecting themselves very well. The discussions that are happening post-workouts, post-games have been really good. But then the most important thing is really the interaction between them and the player and what type of feedback are you getting. And I think right now all the, all the pitchers feel like they're participating in their own development because it's not a one-way street, you know, sharing ideas, trying different pitches. Um, you know, at some point, you know, Brian's going to have to make some decisions that, hey, look, we, we've tried a couple different things. This is the way you need to go. But at least in these early stages, they're not there yet. So it's just been a, a healthy environment of discussion and growth that I think they're all enjoying very much. I know one of the things they talked about is a catching. Are you guys going to fully commit to that that raise model, I guess, as it were, where aim for the middle, JJ? I know that sounds simple, but making it simple, is it going to go more like that if you guys are trying to throw more strikes like you've talked about? Well, every, every pitcher is a little bit different, so we have to keep that in mind. So, you know, a Zach Greinke is going to be different than a Dylan Coleman. So depending on the role and what their background is, what their – you know, what their actual command is like is going to dictate how much of that targeting down the middle uh, that we've discussed with the pitchers is going to take place. But we do have a, you know, a good group of guys with, with really good stuff that if they can get ahead, you know, strike one and then expand the zone from there, they're going to, they're going to have much more success than they've had in the past. So as simple as it sounds, and you just look at the research behind it, look at the data, you know, the average miss is anywhere from seven to nine inches. So if you're going to miss seven to nine inches, but you're trying to throw the ball down the middle, you're essentially pitching to the edges and you're getting out of the middle of the plate. So logically it makes sense, but then I think every pitcher is a little bit different. But I think by and large, I've seen it here for the first four or five games that catchers are in the middle and we're doing a pretty good job. It still can be better and will get better. We're doing a pretty good job again ahead of counts and staying in counts than, than we did last year. Over in the outfield, we know unfortunately Drew Waters is going to be out for some time here with an oblique injury. How do you feel about your depth though there at center field? It feels like maybe it's being tested here due to the the sixty eight week margin we're looking at. Yeah, there's there's a lot of good things happening, but there are those two injuries uh, between Drew Waters and Diego Hernandez has really hurt our depth. So we're we're actively looking to to add some depth right now. Uh, hopefully we can we can pull that off sometime here in the next couple of days where we bring somebody in that can can help us you know somebody that has some experience but um, that's been disappointing I mean with Drew you know having a pretty good September last year competing for a spot on a team it's kind of wiped him out of being on the opening day roster and we want to be careful with Drew too he's really important to us throughout the entire year and these obliques are tricky. You know, they, it's not one of those things where it's four to six weeks and you know it's four to six weeks. Some guys, it takes a little bit longer. But the trick here is not re-injuring it because if he re-injures it, now he's out until, you know, July or August. So we're going to go slow with Drew. We need him for the long haul, not the beginning of the season. And Diego, uh, you know, he's a young guy, played a little bit in A last year, maybe quite, wasn't quite ready to play in the major leagues from an offensive standpoint, but at least we had the depth defensively that if he needed to be up, he could be up and go catch the ball. But, you know, he's going to be out for majority of the season with a torn labrum. So that's been a, that's been a tough flow to us, but um, you know, that's our job. We got to continue to look how we can improve the team. In this case, we need to, to add some depth and you know, I'm pretty confident that we'll be able to do it. You mentioned adding depth, but for, for the time being, it seems like the, the maybe the biggest benefactor individually from an unfortunate situation with injuries would be Kyle Isbell here. What have you seen already so far the first two weeks or so of camp? 
Yeah, well, Kyle, you know, defensively, we have a lot of confidence in being able to play the outfield and play it at a high level. Um, you know, really, you know, one of the, object- the main objectives this year was how do we get Kyle more bats? You know, he's been in big leagues for parts of two years, hasn't gotten consistent bats to the- at bats to this point, but um, he clearly is somebody that's going to get at bats for us. Uh, first couple days, he was okay. Yesterday, he had a really good day. A couple walks, a single. Uh, looked really good. Hasn't been challenged defensively yet, but, um, you know, Kyle's somebody we're going to count on. He's going to get opportunity that he hasn't had before, and I think he's ready for it, and I think our staff feels like he's ready for it. I think people are always looking for the next names, even though this 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 team is so young, J.J. Can Michael Garcia, can he win the third base job by the end of the by the end of training camp? Now, Michael's been really impressive. Um, every year he seems to get a little bit better, a little bit stronger, uh, making a harder contact. Defensively, he's, he's very good at shortstop, um, but he's versatile enough to play third base. You know, we're discussing right now and had a discussion with him with the way he's swinging the bat. We're going to take a look at him in the outfield just to see what it looks like. I don't know if he'll, how quickly he would get into games, but he's real athletic, and I don't think it's going to be a, a tough transition for him. But when you talk about depth, versatility helps that so if michael's able to play some third base play some outfield uh swing the bat like it looks like he's capable of doing uh he he is part of that depth so we want him to be as versatile as he can but the bat seems to be getting more real with each passing year he had a great year in winter ball again this year he loves playing you know you know knock on wood he's always managed to play a lot of games every year but um He's somebody we're going to count on. He's still in that, what I would call, young on the fringe of being a major leaguer, an everyday major leaguer. But, you know, the way he's looked the first couple of weeks at camp, you know, we're pretty excited about him. How tough are those? Like, because we all understand, like, spring training is like its own different animal, and you're trying to put it in this, like, small microchasm of, like, yes, it means something, but it can't mean everything. Like, how hard is it when a guy is hitting? Like, if you get through a season, you're like, oh, I can hit, like, 400 this spring. Are we, are we really not going to do this? And, like trying to balance that versus what you've seen for years maybe in your system. Yeah, I, I, there's a history with all of these players, and players do get better. I mean, Nate Eaton's a good example of that. If you would have told me going into spring training last year that Nate Eaton would be in the major leagues in 22, I probably would have doubted it. But um, he continued to get better every level he went up. He kept improving. But there is a history you know, that these players have that we have to recognize. So we can't. Uh, expect too much out of them. And we also know that it takes a little while to transition into becoming a legitimate major league player. Even when you're there, it takes some time, Um, but it's a combination. You know, you can't get too high on what you see in spring training. Arizona is very offensive, so you can't get too critical of pitchers. I mean, a lot of balls that go up in the air end up being home runs that aren't going to be home runs in the regular season. Uh, Breaking balls are harder to throw here. So we got to, we got to temper, uh, excitement or disappointment with the history of the player and what, what what changes have we seen that they're making and what direction are they moving in that will help us make a better evaluation than just what they do in the month of March. JJ, one thing we had talked about earlier this week was the news out of San Diego with the Padres and the huge deal that, of course, Manny Machado got. And it, it, looking at market size, as you know, that comes up all the time about spending and all that. Do you, do you have a reaction to what the, what the Padres, I guess, what they've been able to do financially, although I, I've, I've even said on this show, right now they don't have anything to show for it yet, but they certainly have gone out and spent money at a greater rate than most small market teams. Yeah, I mean, I really don't have a reaction because I need to worry about the Kansas City Royals and not <clears throat> the San Diego Padres or anybody else. I, I know what we're working with. I'm comfortable with it. 
Um, you know, we were constantly talking about not only player acquisition, but player retention, you know, strategically, what can we do? Uh, whether it's, you know, keeping players long-term, handling, getting the most out of players while they're here. We're always talking about those things, but, you know, our market size, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, if I, if I didn't like it, then I shouldn't have taken the job. I mean, you, you know what you're faced with. So what other teams do is really their business and we need to worry about, you know, basically mow our own lawn. That's what we need to do <laughs> to take care of our own yard. So, so that's what we'll continue to strive to do. Speaking of Royals general manager, J.J. Piccolo, I did want to ask you about a couple of the starters as we kind of get a little bit closer to the season. How comfortable are you or how confident, I guess, more are you that Brady Singer can repeat what he did last year? Uh, I don't have any reason to think he won't. Um, you know, I, I think he matured quite a bit. You know, he spent a lot of time trying to develop that third pitch. Brady always, you know, was in the strike zone, but his command seems to be getting better and better. His movement profile and his fastball is different than a lot of pitchers that you see in the game. So there's there's a lot of things that give us reason to believe he's going to be a really good pitcher for us. And we really, you know, from a mindset standpoint, we don't need Brady to try to do more. Just repeat what you did last year. And with the maturity and the experience he's going to gain, it will get better. But let's just, you know, do what you did last year. You ended on a really high note. And if you can repeat what you did last year, you're a really quality major league starter. And that's what we need out of Brady. Brady's starting today and, of course, one of many players you guys have that are going to participate in the World Baseball Classic here in the next week or so. How, does that give you more of an opportunity, I guess, to look at some other guys? Or how does that alter the, the next couple weeks of spring training for you? Uh, well, it definitely gives us more opportunities. <laughs> they're all going to be gone. No so choice. There's no doubt about yeah. that. But the other thing that we have just in our schedule, we have a bunch of split squads coming up. You know, We're playing that two-game two exhibition in Vegas while we have two games back here in Arizona. There's a split squad a couple of days before that. So not only are the guys in camp going to get opportunity to play more and, and give us a chance to evaluate them more, uh, but even guys out of my early camp, you're going to start seeing names during that week when everybody's gone, WBC and split squads. You're going to see a lot of names you don't know that hopefully become household names down the road. So we look at it as an opportunity. You know, I think the WBC is a great thing for our game. Um, you know, I think any player that gets asked by any country to go play should be honored. And if they want to do it, go do it. Um, but on the backside, you know, it creates more opportunity for players to be seen uh, and, and to get the experience of pitching against, you know, or I'm sorry, hitting against major league pitching or pitching against major league hitters. It's a great experience for a young player and, and, you know, we're, we're looking to roll them out here that week in particular when, when all those split squads are taking place. JJ, are you a Vegas guy? Or are you going to go up to the Las Vegas split squad? Nah, no. <laughs> I, 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 I happily volunteered not to go on that trip. I'll stay right here and surprise. So <laughs> uh, I think some of our players are excited about going. It, ironically, there's an off day uh, that Monday afterwards. So I wouldn't be surprised oh, wow. if some players right. spend their off day in Vegas and fly back on, on Monday night. But, uh, I'm not a Vegas guy, so I, I, I'll take surprise. <laughs> there you go. J.J. Piccolo, Royals General Manager, Executive Vice President of Baseball Operations. Appreciate the time as always. Okay, guys. Thank you. So that was our earlier conversation with J.J. Not a Vegas guy. Not a Vegas guy. Talk about two different vibes. Surprise, Arizona <laughs> and Las Vegas. I mean, if I'm a player, though, that I, you know, you've had a long spring training and you're going to play a game and you know you have a Monday off, yeah, I'm staying. And in you're Vegas. getting ready to play 162 yeah, games in 183 days or something? As a player, definitely staying. I was like, yeah, one, what's one night in Vegas? A little expendable cash, already up there. 
That feels like the veteran trip for sure. Rather than play the split squad back in surprise or good year or whatever. This goes back to eventually when we have a Major League Baseball team in Las Vegas because that'll happen at some point in the next four or five, you know, five years. It'll once again become a might destination. Be, might be the Oakland A's moving. Who knows? Whoever ends up, you know, that will be, yeah, a fun one. You know, we, there's a lot of people that take baseball trips anyway. Plenty of, we know people, we all know baseball people that, football, yeah. that, that take, yeah, football for sure, but because we've seen it at these stadiums. I'm talking, you know, a lot of people don't even necessarily go in the Royals or you just, you just want to go check out new stadiums. And if you told me that there's a baseball team in Vegas and the Royals happen to be playing them well, it's years a lot down easier, the road. It's a lot easier for that now because the way the scheduling, Major League yes. Baseball is changing their scheduling. Play everybody. Every year they're going to play them. So every other year they're going to be in Vegas most likely. Yes. So you're going to – there is going to be a series in those markets and all of the markets, which is also – that is also – by the way, baseball, for as much crap as we give them, has made several good decisions in a row. That was a good decision. Changing the way that they're doing the pitch clock, good decision. Changing the shifting rules, that's a good decision. Like, keep working towards the right things, and I feel like we're really heading somewhere. He did mention, when we were asking about the depth at uh, center field, he said maybe in the next couple of days we could see some sort of move. They're actively looking to add to their outfield depth. That's because, unfortunately, the Drew Waters injury in particular, also Hernandez, but uh, maybe something could happen in the next couple of days. Whether that is a veteran-free agent, there's a couple of them out there, or... Could we see a you know some type of small trade? Both yeah, Jackie are, Bradley Jr. is available. Profar, yeah, uh, Profar. There's a four or five different names that have been kind of thrown out. Tyler Naquin might be a free agent. He's like a seven or eight year big leaguer and played in the division, so you'd be familiar with him for his time in Cleveland. I mean, none of these options are going to be your everyday outfielder. I think they just want to make sure that if somebody got hurt in the middle of the game, yes. they would have enough outfielders to finish <laughs> the game. That's why they do that. By the way, I did think the way he answered about Michael Garcia. To me, made it very clear they really like him. Yeah, he's like he's been in the outfield. I mean, yeah, like that's the like. Let's figure out a way to get this guy on the opening day roster under any circumstances. Like, I feel better about his chance to make the opening day roster after that conversation, just because of how he's talking think, about Garcia. Feels like they want him to make the team. Well, I think they're gonna try to give him every opportunity, and so if that means let's see what he can do in the outfield, no promises, kind of thing. Uh, that that's fine. I'm not I'm not sold that he for sure will be on the opening day roster, but I like the fact that they're gonna like, hey, prove to us can can you help us out in the outfield as well? If we think you can, then that's how you can also make the big league roster opening day roster, I should say. If not, then it goes back to our hundred dozier conversation and I would see Garcia start in AAA up in Omaha, see how the first month ish goes for Hunter Dozier, and then that can dictate both on how Garcia's playing in AAA, but more importantly, maybe how Hunter Dozier is performing with the big league club the first month or so. But we're in March, which means we're in, the opening day is this month. We can say that now. Oh, yeah. Last day of this month. It's on a Thursday. Opening day at Kauffman Stadium against the I assume our Twins. show will be broadcasting live from Kauffman Stadium. Can we say, can we, can yeah, we announce I mean, that? Is that I safe? I mean, we just are. They never right? told we us. Just are. We will, right? Okay. We, we just Cody Gold will be broadcasting live from Kauffman Stadium on opening day. It's yeah, official. We will, we, will, we will be there, I'm sure. I feel very, pretty confident. Saying that'll be the case. Let's just hope it's better weather for opening day 2023 than it was for 2022, where it was sleeting and snowing. And, and you guys windy. all left early. We did. We did. Not and me. Not me and Dusty. Dusty fine. and I stuck it out to the bitter end. We watched yeah. that Bobby Wood Jr. game yeah. game setting up hit. I know. I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay with that one. Mm. It was Nick. Did you even go for part weather. of it? No, Nick never made it out because it was terrible weather. I was back here working. Why didn't you come after? I was working. You had a full hour. After the show ended, before he was still living in Lawrence at the time, remember that? Oh yeah, he was still living in Lawrence. I'm trying to back you up, Nick. He was Thanks, still living man. in Lawrence at the time, you know? Okay, so no excuses this year. That's right. That's right. You bet. Your ass better be at opening day. No excuses. What day is it? 
Uh, the last day of the month, Thursday, the 30th or 31st, whatever it is. Wait, yeah. is it the 31st? Because I'm leaving town the 31st. Are you on a Thursday? No, on a Friday. But are you leaving Thursday night or no? No. Okay, well, then you can make it. Then you can make the game's it. on Thursday. <laughs> game's on Thursday. Uh, like yeah, th- I got a pack. 310. No, like no a excuses. Like a Why do you guys care? You pack Why do you old care? You should be a professional packer by now. Wow. You pack 78 times a year. Why do Nick you care to, if Nick, I'm there or Nick not? Nick wants to check out the New York port. He's going to get there the night before his flight. He's We'd like you to be a team player. I'm also leaving that weekend. I'm leaving that Saturday. I also need to pack. Why does it I'll matter? be there on opening day. I want us to be friends. And I, I think don't ever demand that you guys do anything or be anywhere. Wow, he doesn't he doesn't care, Cody. He doesn't care. Do I get in for free? Or do I got to pay? Oh, it's a free. company outing. Actually, our whole company is going that day. I'll think about it. Okay, Nick's gonna think. He about thought it. we were gonna say cost we're, money and he was gonna feel different, but now he found out they're free and he's like, I can't say no quite as quick. We're back at it tomorrow. We're expected to have Scott Barlow join us from Surprise Arizona tomorrow on the show. Coming up next is the drive with C Dot and Rob. Cody and Gold brought to you by Gan Asphalt and Concrete. For asphalt, concrete, and parking lot maintenance, Gan Asphalt and Concrete. One con.